Hello Woodworms, I'm Ray Lefterius and this is the Handtool Book Review, the podcast for people who love woodwork and love reading about woodworking too. So perhaps you've just started woodworking and this incredible substance keeps doing the most peculiar things, or you've recently read some woodworking terminology that is positively Greek to you. Or maybe, having worked with wood for a while, you've come to the conclusion that if you understand it a little bit better, your next piece might not develop those same cracks down the side. Regardless of where you find yourself in your woodworking career, I think it's safe to say that you would benefit from reading at least one good book about wood, wood as the substance, and as it pertains to woodwork. So today's book is from Christian Bexfoot. I've taken a few extracts from the Meet the Author sections at Lost Art Press, and I'll go through them here. But needless to say, he's got a very impressive pedigree, and if you'd like to know a bit more about him, I direct you to the blog post from August 21, 2019. Christian Bexfoot was born in Wolfsburg, Germany, and his father, who had spent seven years as a German apprentice, worked as a cabinet maker. A childhood memory of his from shop class is how a piece split because he didn't account for wood movement. He's quoted as saying, I take wood movement seriously, overbuilding and compensating to ensure that your investment lasts. He includes two examples, dovetailing all his mouldings and constructing telescoping web frames between his drawers. When he graduated in 1972, he got a government job at a wildlife research centre in Maryland. Part of his job was feeding 600 Japanese quail. Quickly returned to Maine and started working for a furniture manufacturer for nine years. He did some large architectural millwork in Portland, but in 1986 he opened his own shop. His name has become synonymous with Shaker Furniture. To many, he's the Shaker guy. And in 1998, he published his first book, The Shaker Legacy, Perspectives on an Enduring Furniture Style. He's also worked for fine woodworking and written some other books. Today's book, With the Grain, A Craftsman's Guide to Understanding Wood, was first published in 2013. These days, he builds custom furniture and, like you, the listeners, enjoys reading and has too many books about his house. But before we dive into the book, a few thanks are in order. John Bates sent in a suggestion that I review Tom Fidgen's Unplugged Workshop. Thank you, John, it's a good suggestion, and one I've been procrastinating on reviewing, because I really want to make one of Tom's projects before I review the book. I'll get to it soon, I promise. Emmett Kyle, thanks for taking up the Bad Dovetails Challenge on Instagram. I appreciate that you posted a picture with a nice functional piece of woodwork. Well done on that. Andre, the book holder's looking great. I think you can be proud of it, and I enjoyed seeing some really good woodworking books on your new woodworking book stand. Also, Dan Wolfgang wrote in to me with some further information about the typeset I described in traditional woodworking hand tools. I thought it was interesting, so I'll repeat it here quickly. Hey Ray, I just listened to episode 22 of your podcast and wanted to share a little insight. You mentioned the S and the T being combined as a little flourish. I got a chuckle out of this, as presumably it means the traditional woodworking hand tools is meant to look like a traditionally typeset book. The single character ST is called a ligature. Other common ligatures are LL and FF. The idea behind them is that they save time for the typesetter, could be placed closer together to take up less space on the page, and maybe to help manage availability of those letters for other words. The way that a printed book or any text printing was handled is that the individual letters were chosen to assemble the words, sentences, paragraphs and pages. The typesetter would reach to the uppercase or the lowercase, 
that's right, an uppercase or a lowercase, to find the letters they needed. Doing this fast was essential. LL, FF and ST, for example, are common letter combinations, and so for reaching just that one piece of type was a way to save a second reach. I enjoy the podcast as well as seeing your work here on the Hand Tool School. Dan. Thanks for the insights, Dan. And then finally, thanks to my new patrons, John Morrison, Greg Bice, and Eric Van Horsen. Thank you very much. I appreciate your support of the show. So let's dive into With the Grain. I'm going to cut to the end here and just tell you that I'm rating this book as a 7 out of 10. I wish I could articulate why I'm not giving it the top ranking of 8 out of 10 in this category. It's an excellent book, and yet somehow when I finished it for the first time, and now again on the rereading before this episode, I'm left with a slightly hollow feeling. I guess that there's always a compromise between depth and breadth of a book. While a book called Encyclopedia of Everything Woodwork Related is bound to disappoint, so too is a book that is too deep, say a book called How to Make One Type of Oak Box. Every time an author puts a pen to paper, they struggle with that balance. And if they don't, the editor will quickly correct any belief they may have that a 976-page woodworking book is bound to be a commercial success. With the Grain gives a wide coverage of many, if not all, topics related to understanding wood in the context of being a woodworker. Each chapter provides relevant information and without fail enhanced my understanding of the subject. And yet by the end I felt that something was missing. I wanted more. Again, I wish I could articulate where I think there were gaps. But, to be fair, I don't think there are gaps. And if I was asked, where did you feel that more detail was necessary? The answer must be nowhere, and yet, everywhere. The book is well-balanced, well-researched, and has some deep insights. I just wish there was more than the 152 pages. Admittedly, they're letter pages, so there's a lot in there. I just wish there'd been a bit more everywhere. And perhaps that's a sign of good coverage of a topic. Or perhaps the book could be either longer, or maybe narrower in coverage. I'm sure that there are readers who will feel everything was covered perfectly, because the book really is packed with information and covers a lot. If I consider a book like the Encyclopedia of Shaker Furniture, I would happily walk past any other book on the topic, and I wouldn't spare them a second glance. For me, this is where With the Grain fails this asset test. If I walk past another book about wood in a bookstore, I'd probably pick it up. And yet today, I present it as the best book to begin your exploration of the topic, as I feel it is an excellent overview of the topics you'll need to understand. So let's consider what is covered. There are five chapters. The first, Trees and Wood Technology, is an overview of the anatomy of a tree, the purpose of the structures, detailed breakdowns of the parts of the tree, and good practical information that will allow you to identify the types of trees. If you keep forgetting what ring-porous trees are, this is a chapter that has some really good explanations of terminology, and these are done in a manner that you are unlikely to forget. There are ample illustrations and tables, which is a hallmark of the entire book. So, for example, you'll discover the number of annual rings of sapwood in common species. I find this quite fascinating. You might not know, but cherry has 10 to 12 rings of sapwood, while beech has 20 to 30, and yet something like black locust only has 2 or 3. Density or specific gravity, a few of the most important attributes of wood for us hand tool woodworkers, are well explained, and the tables will probably resonate with you if you have any experience working some of the woods in question.
grain figure and typical defects found in wood round out the first chapter and then we're into chapter 2, wood entry identification and characteristics. This is the standout section for me in the book. Often wood identification articles or books will present incomprehensible end grain samples or pictures that help me identify the tree well about as much as looking for a black cat in a dark room, maybe even while blindfolded. Instead, Christian has a double page spread with a very good illustration that shows the typical shape of the tree, detailed close-up illustrations of cones, berries or seeds, a typical twig or needles if this will aid in identification, as well as bark, end grain and face grain. The text that accompanies the illustrations offers some interesting historical insights. One of them, for example, is why the Douglas fir, Pseudotsuga menziesi, is named for both Archibald Menzies, who described it in 1791, as well as David Douglas, who brought it to Europe and popularized it. In addition to history, there are detailed descriptions that aid in identification, description of uses, or cautions as they relate to woodworking, and key characteristics. So, for example, we learn that the dug fir is relatively decay-resistant and has a density of about 36 pounds per cubic foot. Basically, everything that will help you sensibly identify a tree in the wild and some typical uses that will help you decide how to use the wood. The chapter covers about 40 of the most common North American woods and it will be particularly useful to people living in these geographies. However, even as a South African, I found it interesting and the availability of many of these woods globally, or a close relative, makes this section relevant, even if you live outside the continent. I have no intention of ever managing a woodlot. Let me state that from the outset. However, chapter 3, which is a relatively short chapter, only 12 pages long, was well worth reading. There's a lot of detailed information here that covers aspects like thinning, yield, and how trees are harvested. That while maybe only tangentially useful in furniture making, might guide a few of your questions when inquiring about lumber on Craigslist. Well, unless of course you've got a grandfather who set aside a few acres and planted some heirloom trees that are just ready to be cut down. In which case I'm very envious of your heritage. The remaining third of the book has two chapters. The first covers sawing and drying wood, the second working with wood. This is the business end of the book from a woodworker's point of view. It's possible that you might not be planning on sawing your own lumber, however I'd submit that for every woodworker, having an understanding of the different methods of sawing wood is important. Potential movement needs to be catered for, and being able to recognize the types of cuts will help you in this regard. I thought the explanation here of when quarter sawn was desirable was particularly good, and certainly the information about grading of lumber and owner-operated sawmills is useful. There's a detailed table breaking out the FAS standard cutting grades. It's a useful resource to have if you're working on a particularly expensive species and you want to be dead sure that you're getting the correct amount of suitable lumber for your project. Drying, free and bound water and equilibrium content are next. It's a pretty technical section, but there's an excellent map on page 117 that breaks out average annual relative humidity across the USA coupled with annual precipitation and this is translated into a simple map that suggests bands in the country that would have an average of 6, 8 or 11% average moisture content. I found this pretty interesting. It'd be great if Christian could just update the next edition of the book with the global map. 
There are detailed tables and charts that will give you guidance at quite a detailed level on your drying. Another good example is the approximate time to air dry green 1 inch lumber to 20% moisture content. And as the author explains, the one year for every one inch is really just an urban legend, particularly when drying thicker pieces where the time is related to the square of the thickness. Two inches takes four times as long to dry as one inch. Preparation, stacking the pile and information on different types of kilns were moderately interesting to me. However, in this section, the formulas and suggestions for calculating moisture content by speed drying a small piece of wood are excellent. I've never thought of speed drying a small piece of wood in the oven to get it down to 0% and then use that to compare back to the weight of the, the wood. Chapter 5, Working with Solid Wood, starts off with clear tables and instructions for shrinkage of domestic woods, both radial, tangential and volumetric. This leads to domestic change coefficients which will allow you to accurately calculate and predict movement in your work. Although some of the calculations look a bit intimidating, if you're building a piece of work to tight tolerances, you could use this information to work out exactly how deep an expansion groove would need to be, based on the specific type of cut, type of wood, and dimensions of the wood in question. There are a couple of examples to follow through, so there's no need to be intimidated by the math. You can work through the examples, you can follow along with the author and see where he's getting the various values from the different tables and use that to apply to your own work. Cross-grain gluing and compensating for movement are very good sections. And with that theory behind us, we are into the details of how to cater for case science. Personally, I'd never heard of partially floating web frames before, and after reading the rest of the book, it was easy to understand how this would work. The main methods for building backs are discussed, along with their pros and cons. I found the section full of helpful little hints and suggestions, and rules of thumb. The author then covers mouldings and how to attach these to a case, either with simple brad nailed solutions all the way through to purpose-made sliding dovetails. Cleats, ribs and stabilizers and draw construction follow. It was fascinating to discover that the expansion washers sold by Lee Valley were a direct result of Christian's recommendations and experimentation. That's a certainly a pretty decent endorsement of this method. Doors and tables close out the construction tips and with each one there's a decent discussion of some of the ways of building for movement. It was a section that left me wanting more. Again, like I stated in the beginning, it's hard to find gaps, that's not the problem. But if I was editing this book, I would have wanted another 10 or 20 pages of photos and examples in this section. Matching grain and dealing with minor imperfections was interesting, and the author's grainless inlay is superb. It's simple, and the photo shows an incredible end result. It's a method I'll try on a future project. In fact, it reminds me a bit of painting wood grain onto toy soldier shields when I was younger. Perhaps it's time to see if I can find those old acrylics. There are also sections then on heat bending, steam bending, laminating and greenwood, each of them getting a couple of pages, and then abruptly the book is over. So in conclusion, with the grain, a craftsman guide to understanding wood is 156 pages long. Admittedly, 8.5 by 11 inch pages long, so there's a lot of information in there. It's written by Christian Bexfoot, and you can find the book at lostartpress.com. As at July 2020, it cost $34 for a hardcover. I think the book is one of the best overall guides to wood in the context of woodworking that I've ever read. It's clear and concise, 
There are tons of useful pieces of information and tables, and you'll refer back to it for years to come. I think it will be useful to you regardless of your experience level, and the wide range of topics and coverage virtually ensure that there will be areas of interest for most readers. My only gripe is that intangible sense that I have that the balance is not quite right and the book should have gone a bit deeper, either by making the book a bit longer, or if it had to be this kind of length in print, narrowing its focus and giving slightly more detail on a slightly more limited content. Again, that's my view. Perhaps other readers will find it exactly the right balance, and it would be hard for me to argue this, as there are no obvious omissions. If you're curious about the working properties of wood, you could do a lot worse than picking this book up and adding it to your library. As a result, I'm giving the book a 7 out of 10 in the category wood. So that's it for now, woodworms. And remember, go hug a tree. They really are the most incredible living organisms on the planet. And keep making furniture from their lumber, and keep reading the books that are printed on the paper that come from them. If you have any comments or suggestions, perhaps a favourite book you'd like to suggest or one you're considering buying that you'd like me to review in a future episode, drop me an email at handtoolbookreview at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can find me on Patreon. Any contributions will support the purchase of books for the library and future episodes.